Okay. All right. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and starting with verse 1. Before I read this verse, let me kind of set it up so you, you get an idea about what's happening and what's going on. We do want to, uh, praise God, Sharon has come out of ICU, and she is in a uh, regular room and was actually posting on Facebook today, so we praise God for that. That's a miracle. <laughs> Let's give him a hand clap of praise. So. We continue to pray for complete recovery for her. So in chapter 11 of Hebrews, it's known as the Hall of Faith. So when you read that chapter, chapter 11 starts out, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then it goes through and it starts listing people that operated in faith. And because of that faith, there were great things that happened in their life. And then that chapter ends and chapter 12 begins, and this is how it begins. Therefore, or in the King James Version, it says, wherefore. Anytime you see one of those words, you need to take a look and find out what happened prior to that because it's, it, it's setting the stage for it. And because of all these things that happened for those men and women that trusted and believed God, now chapter 12 begins and says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who by faith have testified, I'm in the amplified version, who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness. Everybody say it with me. Faith is an action word. So by their action, they testified to God's absolute faithfulness. It's one thing to say, I believe God. It's another to walk it out. And so by their, they, they, by their faith, they've testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. How many of you have ever gotten tripped up before by sin? Anybody? Wave, wave your hand if you have. You ever been tripped up by sin? If you're not waving your hand, <laughs> the Bible said all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, folks. That's just where it starts. So we've all been tripped up, right? But isn't it amazing how easily we get tripped up? I mean, little things that, that really shouldn't get us, that we ought to have enough sense to know don't go there, but we end up going there anyway, Right? Like, you know, if, if you're uh, married and you're discussing a matter with your spouse, very calm, cool, and collected, and then all of a sudden, one of you kind of throw a zinger in there, and the other one goes, okay, it just, you know, I know better than to, you know, start down that road. I know where that goes. That's just going to lead to anger and sin, and so I'm just going to be quiet. Not. <laughs> And so we, it, we end up going down there and we end up getting entangled. And then you get to thinking back, how did that happen? Where, where did that come from? And so it says that it easily and cleverly entangles us. Now, I want you to look at this next line. 
Let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. Unfortunately, when a lot of people read that, the only part they read is, let us run. Let's just cut and run and hit the highway, slip out the back jack, make a new plan stand. You don't need to be Corroy if you listen to me. Just hop on the bus, Gus. You don't need to discuss much. Just drop off the key, Lee, and set yourself free. Don't even ask me where that came from. But what I'm telling you is that it's, it becomes very easy to just cut and run. But that's not what the writer is saying. He said, let us run with endurance. Everybody say, get some oomph in you. And active persistence. How many of you have had a child that wanted something and would not stop? Can I have one of those? Can I have one of those? I want one of those. I want that. Look, I've been in the grocery store before when a kid wanted a candy bar. He had me ready to buy the candy bar for him. I mean, it was so, please, mom, please, let me have the candy bar. Let me have the candy bar. Let me have the candy bar, mom, please. You're standing behind that and you're thinking, kid, just be quiet here. Buy it. And so, but active persistence. And what, what happens, and you think about that, and you think, well, that's not really, you know, Scripture. Sure it is. Go back and look at what Jesus teaches about the woman that's looking for justice, and she's going before a judge that doesn't fear God or man. And because of her persistence, because of her endurance, that guy wakes up one morning, and he says, you know, I don't fear God, and I don't fear man, but this woman's about to wear me out. And she said, so I'm just going to give her what she wants to get her off my back. Do you understand that this race is not won by an emotional high? But I did feel that when God saved me. If you didn't feel anything when he saved you, then I got to question whether or not it ever really happened. I mean, you, 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 I felt it. it I, I knew it had happened. I was there and, and it transformed me. But I can't live on that high. Life keeps going on. And so then I'm faced with everyday living. I'm faced with challenges and obstacles. And when those come, I have got to buckle in and endure and run with active persistence the race that's set before me. People say, well, I just can't find strength. But how many of you know there's power in his word? As a matter of fact, Hebrews 4 and 12 said, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, and exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. How many of you have ever read the word of God and found strength in it? Well, then doesn't it just stand to reason that if you've read it and you found strength that you'd want to keep going back to the source? But too often, we get separated from it, and that's, that's intentionally, not intentionally on our part, but intentionally on the devil's part. He wants to get you so busy, he throws your morning in a rush to separate you from it because he knows that's where you're going to gain your strength. And I, I got to thinking about that, and I, I thought about, so I want to preach to you for just a little bit this morning on this thought, 
I, I, I preached this message years ago when I was traveling on the evangelistic field. I mean, when I first started going, and, and I hadn't visited this in a long time, but it came to me this past week, and I thought, man, we need to talk about this because especially in the time that we're living in, there is so much fear-mongering going on and so much junk that's being— I, I, I was on the uh, telephone with an individual yesterday, you know, counseling with him, and he was talking to me, and, you know, he was—, he, he was fearful. And I said, I said, are you watching the news? Cut it off, man. Quit watching stuff that keeps feeding you a constant diet of fear. That's done intentionally. Do you understand that if you're a believer, the world is looking to you for hope and help? And if you're falling victim to the same stuff that everybody else is, how are you going to be able to do that? So today, I want to preach to you for just a little bit on this topic. There is power in the author's pen. Say it with me one more time. The power of the author's pen. Let me illustrate this to you. How many of you remember the movie John Doe, Meet John Doe? Wave your hand if you remember that. Well, I don't have time to share the movie with you, so I'm just going to go to my second illustration. Okay. So, in that my second illustration, how many of you remember a man by the name of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle? Conan Doyle. Sir, raise your hand. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. You're all not helping me out much here. Okay, let me, let me, let me bring it home to you. Sir Arthur is the author of Sherlock Holmes. Now, how many of you are with me? Sherlock Holmes, okay. Dr. Watson, everybody's there. And so, he, he literally left his medical practice when he started writing about Sherlock Holmes. Man, it was a big hit. I think the first one came out like in 1887. And he would go on to write another 60 stories about Sherlock Holmes and all this. But what a lot of people weren't aware of is that as he progressed in his story writing about Sherlock Holmes, there came a point in his career where he kind of wanted to write about other stuff. So he wrote and killed off Sherlock Holmes. That's what everybody else said. They all went, oh. I mean, there was a public outcry. And when that public outcry hit and he got wind of it, man, there was so much pressure that with one stroke of the author's pen, he brought Sherlock Holmes back from the dead. Everybody say it with me. There's power in the author's pen. I'm telling you, I learned about that. How many of you remember Batman? You know, when I'm not talking about, you know, the dark night that you see. You know, today, I'm talking about back when Batman was really Batman, you know, on television. Adam West. Go Google that sometime, Jasmine, and watch it. You'll be thrilled. Pow! Zap! That's, that's what, you know, I mean, and I, I, was, I was trying to get a clip, and I couldn't get the clip to work, so I thought, well, I'll just have to describe it. But we, I used to watch those shows. I'd come in from school and watch that, and man... The Joker or the Riddler or Penguin or Catwoman, one of those diabolical fiends would get Batman. They would catch him. They would have him in a mess. And then all of a sudden, it would stop. And it would say, 
will Batman be able to make it out of this? Tune in tomorrow at the same bat time and the same bat channel to find out if Batman survives. And one word of warning, it gets worse. Man, I'd have nightmares about Batman dying. Not really. The next morning, or the next morning, so the next day, I, I remember one series in particular where Batman is out and he's, he's surfing. <laughs> This is God's truth. He's surfing in his bat costume. In full garb, he's out there surfing, and all of a sudden, they release these sharks. And these sharks come in around him. And Robin's going, and Robin's over there surfing too. And, and he's going, golly gee, Batman, what will we do now? Don't worry, boy wonder. And he pulls out of the utility belt shark repellent. It happened. It happened. I'm telling you, if Jaws would have met Batman, he would have bet his match. That shark repellent, all those sharks take off, and I thought, man, there is power in the author's pen. You can just make it up as you go. You can just do whatever you want to, you know. I, I thought about, do you understand that Popeye got me whipped a bunch of times? What are you talking about? I'd be watching Popeye. I loved watching Popeye, and Popeye would get strength from what? Spinach. My, I, was the, I was the youngest of five kids, so I was always getting picked on. And when I was little, you know, when I was little, I was little, man. I mean, up until the third grade, I was, I was you know, a runt. And I remember they would, you know, they'd pick on me, and my sister was picking on me one day. I can tell you where I was at. I was in Grantsburg, Illinois. I was sitting in my grandma and grandpa McNeely's house watching Popeye, and she had made spinach. <laughs> Man, I, my, my sister started messing with me, and I, I grabbed some of that spinach, ate it, went outside. Come on. She whipped a tar out of me. I, I, I ran by. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I ran back inside, got some more spinach. <laughs> I figured the can was defective because it wasn't working. Power of the author's pen. You could cause anyone to do anything. I thought about how that recently multi-million dollar movies from Marvel Comics and, and who, did, who did we see? We saw Iron Man. Oh, boy, if I could do that. We saw Spider-Man. We saw the Hulk. How many of you would love when you got mad to be able to do that on command, you know? And, and, and there was Captain America, the good guy, Captain America. And, and they made millions and millions of dollars. No matter what kind of dilemma they were in, one stroke from the author's pen changed everything. I know what you're thinking. Oh, pastor, I'd love to have that kind of power so I could rewrite my story. Now, I understand that you don't have the ability to rewrite your own story. But I know someone that can rewrite it for you. And his name is Jesus. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody say, his name is Jesus. 
Oh, let me, let me give you some evidence of it. Hebrews 12 and 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The right hand symbolizes power. He sits at the power of God. Do you understand that he said the author and the finisher? endured the cross, despising its shame. He knew you couldn't take it. He knew you couldn't face it and survive it. So what did he do? He robed himself in flesh and he came down and he endured the pain of the cross, the torture, the suffering, the ridicule, the shame. But remember something, before he went to the cross, he looked at his disciples and he said, no man takes my life. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to pick it back up. This promise I've received of my father. He's got us covered. He's able to rewrite your story. Look, he doesn't, he's not, all that other stuff is fiction. His story is history. It's not made up. It's not make-believe. Do you ever think about, man, you've got an entire army on your back, and then all of a sudden with one command, a sea rolls apart, and you go through on dry ground, and everybody else is swallowed up. It happened, folks. I said it happened. What about a man that picked up a jawbone? And started flinging folks like they were nothing. By the time he got done, there were a thousand men. Hit that next slide. There were a thousand men that were piled up. And he did it with a jawbone in his hand. He didn't do it. God did it through him. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Here's one for you. Go ahead. You want to figure that one out? Let me give you the history of that. Elisha is revealing all the plans of the king of Syria. And the king gets upset about it. He said, there's a spy among us. And one of his, one of his cabinet members walked up to him and said, there's no spy. He said, there's a prophet over in Samaria. There's a prophet in Israel. And what you speak in your bedchamber, he's declaring out in the open. So they sent to get him. And one morning when Elisha's servant woke up, he looked out and the entire army of Syria had surrounded the city. He ran and he started shaking Elijah. Man of God, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? And he looked at him and he said, those that be with us are more than those that be with them. And the young man didn't get in. He said, God, open his eyes. And when his eyes were open, throw it back up. When his eyes were open, the Bible said, come on, guys, give it to me. Stay with me. When, when it was open, the Bible said that he looked up. The army of Syria was still there. But when he looked up, he saw the mountains filled with chariots of fire and horses pulling them down. I'm telling you that you need to understand that the God you serve is bigger than any circumstance or situation that you're ever going to face. It's time for us to trust the power 
power of the author's pen. He does not write fiction. He writes history. These are real people that served a real God and it really happened. He can has the power to rescue you from your depression, from your destruction and your dilemma. Just you've got to surrender. Everybody say it with me. Surrender. Listen to what James 4 and 7 says. So submit to the authority of God. Resist the devil. Stand firm against him and he will flee from you. Surrender to the author and let him write you a new story. The problem is we've got people wanting to rewrite his word rather than allowing his word to rewrite their life. Do you understand that if you try and take away from the word of God, your part in the Lamb's book of life is taken away. Not my words, but his words. If you try and add something to it and say, well, you know, God's okay with this. God's all, or you, you try and add to it, and he said that the plagues that are written in this book will be added to you. I'm telling you, his word, just as it is, is enough. <laughs> The Bible said in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. That same Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as of the glory of the only begotten of the Father. He's able. You say, but pastor, I, you don't understand. I'm, I'm in a dilemma. I, I got stuff going on. I don't like my story. Then take your story to him. That's what Hezekiah did. He laid the letter down. He said, God, they've said this about you and not me. And the Lord spoke and he said, not one arrow will be shot against this city. I'm getting ready to rewrite your story. He got word that he was going to die and not live. And he turned his face to the wall and he said, Lord, help me. He said, I'm going to rewrite your story. David talked about that the enemy had camped around about me. Hell had gotten hold of me. And then God rewrote his story. Don't run. It's all right to run with endurance and run with patience and persistence toward him, but don't run away from him. Just ask him to turn the page. You're getting ready to enter a new chapter. You're going to get to read the final chapter. Think about this, man. All of a sudden, the page is going to turn. You're, you, right now, you're in crosshairs, and the devil's got you in his grasp and in his grip, and everything's going wrong. And, and, and man, my, you know, my bills have come due, and my, my mother-in-law doesn't like me, and, you know, and I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. Just go to the author and say, God, write me a new page. And I'm telling you, with one stroke of his pen, your mother-in-law's going to fall in love with you. Mine fell in love with me. All things are possible with God. Everybody say, it's possible. 
if you submit to him, if you come to him, I promise you that if you keep your life surrendered to Jesus, I promise you the best is yet to come. And I can go one further than that. I can promise you that if you give it to him, you are going to have a happy ever after in your life. Would you stand with me today? So here's my question. How many of you ready to turn loose the author's pen on you? How many, how many of you want him to? <laughs> it's like, ooh, be careful now. Because once he starts writing, what happens? Do you know that there's a scripture that said that he joys over us with singing? Wow. To think that God would sing over me. Well, if he's singing about me, don't you know that he's writing about me? I was 15 years old, and I was in a place in Chicago, Illinois. At 15 years old, I was not a multimillionaire. I'm not one now either. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I, there wasn't anything special about me at all that I could see, or if I'm going to be honest, that anybody around me could see. But God saw something. I went to that meeting, and this guy was calling people out, and I mean speaking over their life, and you've heard the term reading their mail, just telling them where they, I mean, just incredible stuff, and people were breaking down and crying, and then he went to take up the offering. He said, I'm going to pray for you as you come through the offering, and I promise you, he didn't stop me in line because I had a great big bill I was putting in that offering. But he stopped me in that line. He stopped everybody, pointed me out, and he started speaking to me. He said, your job will be to stir the church. And I thought, man, this guy's out of his mind. I'm, I'm thinking, you got the wrong person. I'm looking behind me thinking maybe he missed, you know, calculating. Guy's name was Mac Watson. Traveled all over the place. He had a campground that was called Heaven on Earth Campground. Years went by, and I grew up, got married, and then all of a sudden something happened. I quit my job, and I started traveling. And every place I went, I was there to stir up a church. People don't call you for a revival because they want to spend social time with you. They call you because they want you to stir up something. 
Now, you have to understand you can't give what you ain't got. And so the only way, and I learned this the hard way, the only way that I could stir up a church is to ask God to stir me up. And when God stirs you up, then just everywhere you go, you end up stirring up stuff. <laughs> now, I mean that in a good sense, because some folks stir up stuff everywhere they go, but it ain't God. <laughs> then it dawned on me, I was, I, 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 I got in this city, it was called Hot Springs, Arkansas, and it became a hub for me for years. I would preach all over the place from right around Hot Springs. And man, I even ended up with people giving me a trailer to stay in. They said, anytime you're in town, don't get a hotel room. Don't just stay at our place. And we're there. And one day it dawned on me that Mac Watson's campground and was in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Only God can write that into your story. Do you understand what I'm telling you? It doesn't matter what it looks like now. It doesn't matter what you feel like now. You serve a God that is more than able to turn your page and give you a brand new chapter. If you're ready for that to happen, I want you to stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. Just raise them up right where you're at and say, God, Come on, say it with me. Don't be embarrassed about it. God, I want you to know I didn't care what people thought when I got saved. Man, I was in the altar every week. I think I, those people thought I was backslid every week. I didn't care what they thought. I wanted to get closer to God. Everybody say it with me. God, I'm ready for you to turn the page. I'm ready for a new chapter in my life. And I promise you that I'm going to declare your goodness wherever I'm at, whenever I can. I'm going to let everybody know that you're alive and you're well and you're able. Come on now and give my hand clap of praise in this house. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> what he wrote here is coming to pass today. In the next few weeks, I'm going to take time and I'm going to share with you about what we're going through. And I want to show you something that's happening in our world that I think people have, haven't caught on to. When this virus started, I told my wife, I said, there's more to this than just a virus. And as the day started unfolding, I watched what happened. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that this is the return of God and all. But I want you to understand that God always gives us types and shadows. And I want to be able to show you how God in an instant can cause everything to come to pass. And he wrote right here. So turn around, grab your neighbor by the hand. Take your neighbor by the hand. Get him by the hand getting ready to go out here. Do you know how hard it's been for me to become a 30-minute preacher? Grab them by the hand, look them right in the eye, and I want you to say this to them. You're looking at a brand new creation. God is getting ready to write me a brand new chapter. Come on now, give my hand clap of praise for it. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you today. We love you.
Rise at the altar Cast all your cares upon the Lord There's just no reason for a heavy heart No need to worry anymore Join in the time of celebration His everlasting majesty With angels and saints around the throne